Hey everyone, welcome to the Coastal Podcast. I'm Pastor Lucas Granger and want to say thank you for listening in. May this podcast bring some light to your world today. Enjoy grace and peace. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Chris. Hey, good to see everybody. It is December. The year, you know, when you start saying things like the year has just flown by, you know you're getting old. And I find myself saying those types of things, and I absolutely hate it. But the year has flown by. It is December. Christmas is among us. Among us. Bear with me this morning. I want to read from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Chris has talked about next week being Legacy Sunday. And I just want to give you a real quick insight about this before we get to the sermon. It says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your own heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Come on, somebody. Don't give in response to pressure. There is no pressure. Has anybody ever experienced that, that just pressure, that, you know, pushy salesman, that, like, you've got you've to ride today, you know? I remember back in the day there was these TV commercials and they would just make you feel like a horrible person. It's like, if I don't give now, like, kids are going to go hungry. If I don't give now, the dogs are going to be cold. Y'all remember that one? Little girl on the guitar. And, like, I mean, everybody just had to give money to the animal shelter. Like, we all did it. because. But the scriptures are saying, listen, when we do this, don't give out of pressure or reluctant in response. For God loves a person who gives, come on, say it with me, cheerfully. Oh, there it goes, y'all. That's the secret sauce of giving. I've actually gotten calls from the banks, uh, multiple different people, just like, hey, some of your numbers, we're just, how, how are y'all doing this? How are y'all doing this building project and stuff? I said, you want to know the secret? Yeah, 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 tell us. Joy. Like, what, 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 what kind of strategy are you using? What kind of building can? Joy. We just believe it's a joy to give. And so when we do these things, like, there is nothing, there is no pressure to it. It doesn't matter if you give $1 or $1 million. Come on. God sees the heart. Carl, where's Carl at? Carl O'Dell. Carl sees the books. But Jesus sees the heart. Come on, y'all. And what Jesus sees is far more important than what Carl sees. Right? And he has been doing some miracles after miracles. and after, Man, so it is just an opportunity. And so, man, we just look forward to what God is doing. Again, uh, baptisms next week. Let me encourage you, if you haven't been baptized, you're wondering what your next step is, this is it. Uh, if you were baptized as a baby, maybe you were sprinkled, let me encourage you to make that decision for yourself as an adult. Amen? All right. Um, this week, I want to do a couple things. Next week, I want to talk about our corporate vision. Man, I want to share some things with y'all next week at Legacy Sunday that myself, the elders, the board, we've been praying about some of these things for years, for years, just praying and believing and holding, and now feeling like it's the time to just, hey, these are the things that God has called us to do as a church. Um, and so I'll be prepared for that next week. It's going to be a little bit different than a normal sermon. But this week, I really want to help you with your personal vision, with the thing that God has called not just us to do corporately, but what God is calling you to do. Um, I believe that there's some ministries in the room this morning. 
that haven't been launched yet. There's some things that God has put in your heart, and some of you even right now, Holy Spirit, like you know what they are, and you've been waiting. Some of you have been waiting years and years, decades, and just kind of wondering, will it ever happen? And I just think God is blowing the dust off of some dreams right now. Some of us in this room have been through some desert seasons. You've been through some long desert seasons. And here's what I think maybe this is the word of the Lord for you this morning. You've misinterpreted your training as rejection. You've misinterpreted this dry time, this time where it feels like nothing's happening, this desert season for rejection. Oh, God, well, I guess it's just not going to happen. You're not going to use me. It's never going to happen. Last week, uh, Jim was talking about Joseph, and I've just been thinking about Joseph all week, and, and just the story of his life, being thrown into a pit by his brothers, being sold into slavery, being, be, being put in, in this guy's house, being lied about, then being put into a, a prison, all of these things happening while he has this promise from God of like, no, the sun and the moon and the stars, these things are going to bow down, like God's going to do something great, and then his greatness turns into a pit. And it turns into a prisoner. All of these things, the loss, the disappointments, and the things that you thought were rejection was just your preparation. The things that you thought was your rejection is just your preparation. I want to read some scriptures this morning. Hold on to that. We're going to get to it. The book of Luke, chapter 1, beginning with verse 5, says this. Now Herod was king of Judea, and there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Now, Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes. Remember that phrase, it's important. Zechariah and Elizabeth, righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all that the Lord commanded and all of his regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. Like, did you catch that? At the beginning, Luke is kind of given this synopsis of like, I'm setting up something. And at first, it starts to read like something you'd almost put on your gravestone. Like, man, they were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey his commandments, all of these things. And then in verse 7, he's like, oh yeah, but by the way, no children, unable to conceive, both not just old, but very old. Very old. I mean, I don't know what point you go from being old to being very old. Maybe when you start saying things like, this year has flown by so quickly, <laughs> that might be your indicator. But he's setting them up. And so one day Zechariah was serving God in the temple for his order uh, was on duty that week, just was as the custom of the priest. He was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. Now, while the incense was burning, a great crowd stood outside and they we're praying. Now, the story continues as he's in there. He has this encounter with an angel, and an angel tells him, listen, I, I, I've heard your prayer. I know what's going on, and listen, your wife's going to get pregnant. And to which he's like, how is this going to happen? Like, how dare you question the angel? And then he goes mute, like can't talk a word. And then let's pick up in verse 23. And when Zachariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. 
Soon afterwards, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she explained, or exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace. Some translations say he has taken away my shame of having no children. Now, read with me from the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 22 The last words in these holy scriptures, beginning with verse 17, it says this. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires to drink freely from the water of life. And I solemnly declare to everyone who hears the words of prophecy that are written in this book. If anyone adds anything to what is written here, God will add to that person the plagues that are described in this book. Ouch. And if anyone removes any of the words from the book of this prophecy, God will remove that person's share in the tree of life and in the holy city that are described in this book. He who is the faithful witness to all of these things say, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. So here we have it. Advent. Advent, this preparation for the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. The dictionary defines it as the celebration of his coming, also the preparation of his coming back. Advent marks a transition in all of human history. Now, if you're in the room and you're not a believer, here's the thing. Whether you realize it or not, your life revolves around Jesus. Why? Because what year is it? Why is it that year? Oh, because of the life of Jesus. See, there was the life of Jesus, and time itself had to stop. Time itself said, no, no, there was life before Christ, and now there's life after Christ. See, we were counting years, and we were counting days, and now, oh, wait, hold on. This man changed time itself. The very, yes, the very way in which we calculate the days and the hours and the weeks and all of these things was because of the life of Christ. Now, if you're not a believer, that should at least make you pause, stop, take a step back and say, what was so special about this man that all of human history is changed because of him? Time itself, the birth of our Christ, historically the way that we shape things, there's a before and there's an after. And the advent is this preparation It has happened. And now we live in the advent of his second coming. So we prepare and we're going to celebrate his birth, but we also are preparing for that day when he comes back. Man, and all of this, the culmination of all things is brought to a close and we will know him fully just as we are fully known. Life before, life after. There's life before you got married and there's life after you got married. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. There was life before you went to Indochine in Wilmington, and life after you went, which is the best restaurant. If you haven't eaten there, there goes a plug for that place. I have no stock in it. It's just amazing food. Before and after, Old Testament, New Testament, life of Christ. Jesus changes everything, and there's the reality that there's no going back, but there's also the reality that we don't like change. We say we like change, but we don't like change. We like the idea of change, but we don't like the things that are going to happen once change actually starts to happen, because you have your routines, I have my routine. 
Jesus came in, and Jesus, see, the Advent is the disruption of all things. It's this holy disruption in which, no, 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 everything about Jesus changes everything, and the Pharisees hated it because they just wanted to go back to their way of doing things. See, there's our way, and now we're, there's a, you thought John started to disrupt the things. Just wait, Jesus is about to disrupt everything. And so what do they do when they're confronted with this disruption? They're confronted, and the next thing that meant all they want to do is, well, no, let's stone this guy. Let's push him off a ledge. Let's kill him so we could go back to the way it was. What do we do when Jesus disrupts your life? Because he's doing it right now. The scriptures tell us, man, there's a disruption that's happening. How do we react? Do we react with anger, anger and rage and just, man, we just want to kill something? Or do we re- react with surrender? newness, faithfulness, to step into the scary unknown and say, God, not my will, but yours be done. See, Advent disrupts our family. It disrupts our jobs. It disrupts the way we spend our money. It disrupts the way we work. It disrupts everything. And Luke opens up with his Advent, this preparation for the, this disturbance that's happening. And the entire life of John is this, to prepare the way for the Lord. And the same actually could be said of us since the ascension of Christ, that that's what we do as disciples, to prepare for his return. All of this. So it begs the question, are we prepared to cross over into eternity? I mean, we, we say, it, man, yeah, Jesus is coming back. Are you ready? And, and if you are ready or if you know you're supposed to be ready, how do you get ready? What are the measures that we take as Christians to get ready? Because Revelation 22, 17 shows us, listen, we're in the in-between right now. It's the already and the not yet. I'm coming quickly. It's been 2,000 years. Come on, come on, come on, Jesus. And we're here. We're in this in-between. So how do we live in, into it? And I think there's a few things. One, the very first thing he says, listen, come and drink deeply. Drink deeply. So you're like, you're not going to make it if you don't have a personal relationship with me. You've got to live your life at the feet of Jesus to know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, to come and to drink deeply. The next thing we do, we hold fast to his word. We don't add anything to it. We don't take anything away. See, this word is our line in the sand that says, no, 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 this is the direction of my life. This is the word that God has for me. Even if there's things in here that I don't agree with, this is how I'm going to live. I'm not adding anything. I'm not taking it away. We draw this line and say, and, then, and finally, man, to live in the likeness of Christ, to be this what? Faithful witness. To hear those words at the end, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on, somebody. I cannot wait. John's entire life, I am not the Christ, but I am giving witness to the Christ. Our entire lives, we, I am not the Christ, but we give witness to Jesus. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, just simply pointing people to Jesus. Now, we find this in the life of Elizabeth. We find this in the life of Zechariah, this summation, this story, this resume, if you will, that Luke begins with. The resume starts with man, righteous in the eyes of God, careful to obey all of the commandments. All of these things are upholding. These are good people. But then there's this side note. 
no kids, very old. What, what, what about our like, like, do you ever feel like that? Like there's this kind of asterisk beside your life sometimes? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Re- really good musician, Chris, but never got the record deal. Right? Really good businessman, but never made $10 million. Really good entrepreneur, really good this, but almost not quite. Man, really good at basketball, never made it to the NBA. All these hopes, all of these dreams, all this almost but not quite, and that's what it's saying about their life here. It's like almost blessed. They're almost, all of these things, they did the right things, but very old, no kids. This is a loaded statement because what Luke is doing here is he's setting up, and I, and I thought about actually calling the sermon, titling it this, it's the context for a miracle. It's the context for a miracle. All of these things, I like understand all of these things are happening, but there's this little asterisk, like super old, no kids, and see, to not have kids in that society, in that culture, was frowned upon, it was shamed upon. The community would tell you something like this, God's mad at you. You're barren, and so you must have done something wrong. And if it wasn't you that did something wrong, it was your family that did something wrong. It was your mom, it was your dad, somebody. Who did it? Why, why are they going through this? Why are they going through this pain? Why are they going through this hurt? And, and this angel shows up, and the first word that it says, like, your prayers have been heard. Which, I gotta say, if it was me, I would be like, finally. I've been praying this same prayer for 40 years, 50 years, 60 years. Been praying this thing. What do you mean my prayers have been heard? Finally, God decides to show up. Come on, y'all. Can, can we get honest in the house this morning? Some of these things have been praying for your kids for decades, and they still acting crazy. Come on, some things, some hopes, some dreams that God has put in your heart. I've been praying prayer after prayer. I just imagine. And he's, God heard your prayer. They've, the reality of this situation is this couple have lived the majority of their life thinking God hasn't heard their prayers. They've lived decade after decade in this in-between. I could imagine Elizabeth year after year Baby shower after baby shower for somebody else. Her best friends are getting pregnant. It's like, God, you're you're doing it for everybody else. You're doing it for Jenny down the street, but you won't do it for me. She's got like four kids now, and I don't have any. Come on, God, what about me? I'm doing everything right. And yet the community is saying, I must have done something wrong. All of these things happening. God, are you ignoring me? And yet she's faithful in the midst of her unanswered prayers. Faithful. Her husband faithful to go to the house and to serve as a priest and do his duties year after year after year and go home to an empty crib. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever had that dream? God, you just don't work. You work for other people, but you don't work for me. Now, early on, I learned 
as a pastor that part of the thing that comes with this job is I'm going to be misunderstood. As a matter of fact, oftentimes, people would come up to me and they would say, uh, oh, pastor, what a, what a great message. And then they would say what they got from the message. And then I would be like, that's not what I said. <laughs> Actually, that's not what I said at all. I don't even think that's in the Bible. I don't even believe that. Like, what? And, and I'd go home and I'd have this like, God, am I even making a difference? Like, come on. Like, so, some folks, and it's just like you see and you, you watch some people's lives and you're like, God, they're still making stupid decisions. Just want to, come on, can I be honest with you? And, and, and I'm like, okay, God, but going to be misunderstood. And, and, and then we started the church, and I remember having all these friends and and it just felt like God was blessing them. But like, man, they're doing really good. Just celebrate, man. God, man, God, I'm glad. We're just trying to buy some donuts this week. Man, if I could get seven more bucks, we could get some donuts. Just having this feeling like it's working for everybody else. But God, I, 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 don't, I don't understand. And, 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 you know, almost 14 years now that we've been having to set mess up and tear it down. Come on. Friend after friend, man, they got a new building. They got a new building. Can I tell you guys, I am tired of setting this mess up. Can I, can I just tell you that, as a matter of fact, today, we walked in here, you know, it's 6 o'clock in the morning. We're starting to say, Chris walks in, and Chris starts singing this song, Oh, glorious day when I don't have to set it up. <laughs> I think we're on edge a little bit. <laughs> Come on. But what you might not know is is. 14 years of disappointments. 14 years of, oh, we thought we had a contract and it didn't work out. 14 years of maybe God's gonna open this door and it got slammed shut again and again and again. But God, we're doing everything right. Come on, Elizabeth. Come on, Zyra, I feel your pain. Wondering, come on. This feeling of just, I feel barren, I feel broken unanswered prayers, unrealized dreams, and it must have been something you did. And for some of us, we've bought into that lie. It'll just always be like this, I messed up too big, something, it's just not in the family genes, I'm not smart enough, I'm not rich enough, I'm too young, I'm too old, and we're wondering all of these things, and I'm here to tell you this morning, you're not alone. That's because that's why I just love the scripture so much. Uh, we, because we have the, all of these stories of men and women. Like, I could imagine Joseph in that, that pit and the slavery. Like, all of these things. Just rejected by his family. Anybody ever felt that? Everybody's family's great. Sure, invite me to your family reunion. We'll see how good they are. All these, all these things. And then what's interesting about his story is wherever he goes, that house starts getting blessed. Potiphar starts getting blessed. The jail system starts getting blessed. Now, we celebrate that, but if I'm Joseph, I'm kind of pissed. I'm sorry, I probably shouldn't use that word. <laughs> I repent. I'm kind of ticked off. I'm ticked off because, listen, why are you blessing this dude? You're blessing his house. Why not bless me? I'm a slave here. I'm a prisoner here. And, and, and I'm supposed to be chosen. I'm supposed to have this dream. I'm supposed to be blessed. And God, it just seems like everyone else around me, come on, Elizabeth, 
Now, here's where it gets really interesting because it's not what God says about her at all. What God says is this, righteous in the eyes of God, but despised in the eyes of man. You can be righteous in the eyes of God, and you can be despised by your neighbor. You can be despised by your friends. You can be despised by this world. You can be despised by your employer. You could feel all this. And here's what happens. Whenever her, her prayer gets answered, she celebrates and she says this, you've taken away my shame. You've taken away my disgrace. And some of us have had that moment where it feels like the thing has you know, kind of worked out. But here's the problem with this. Here's what I want to tell you, Elizabeth. That shame was never yours to carry. Because that shame wasn't shame at all. As a matter of fact, God was doing something bigger in your life, and it just took a really long time to get there. You've been carrying a shame that you were never called to carry. You've been carrying this disgrace. You've been listening to the words of the community instead of listening to the word of the Lord. Because the word of the Lord says that you are righteous and you are blessed. And we've got to be careful, y'all. We've got to be careful whenever it feels like the vision is delayed that we don't start listening to the lies of the enemy. Because he will whisper in your ear, and sometimes he'll use really good people to do it. Righteous in the eyes of God. You have got to be committed to this long obedience in the same direction. You have got to grow old into this thing. As a matter of fact, you've got to grow very old. There are certain prayers that you have to pray a lifetime. There are certain prayers that don't get answered in five seconds. Some do. Others take 50 years. You gotta grow into this because there's a pit before every palace. There's a desert before every promised land and there's a voice of the enemy that wants to whisper, he doesn't hear you. But the angel reminds us, he's heard you. He's heard your prayers. He's heard your cries. He, he's, every night, every tear has been saved. And this is for a purpose. It's for a purpose that's bigger than you. And we've got to silence the voices. We've got to look up from the pit. We've got to look past the giants and start seeing our promise. Because why? Because just like Luke does, it's, it's just the context of a miracle. As a matter of fact, your entire life in terms of eternity, is simply the context of a miracle. That Christ would use you at all. That Christ would use me at all. When we look at this blimp in this moment of all eternity, we would say, oh, God, you were just setting me up. It was just one line on the page, but it affected everything. She was barren. She was very old. No, no, no. Revelations, behold, I'm coming quickly. 2,000 years. And even if it takes another 2,000 years to stand fast, to be a faithful witness, why is it that certain prayers seemingly go unanswered? I don't know. But he does. And we serve a God who works all things for the good of those who believe. We serve a God who invites every single one of us to come and to come and drink deeply from the well of life in the midst of being misunderstood, in the midst of being barren, 
in the midst of waiting for 2,000 years to draw the line in the sand and say, I will be a faithful witness. Let me put it another way for some of you guys. I'm too old is not a valid excuse. I love what Craig Rochelle says. He says like this, you can make an excuse or you can make a difference, but you can't have both. Come on, somebody. You can make an excuse or you can make a difference, but you can't have a, I am too old. It's not, like, ask Elizabeth. Ask Zachariah. All of these things stored up. He hears us. Why me, though? Why me? Why do I got to go through these things? Why not you? Why not you? See, we have these, these why me moments, and, and Jim talked about this last week, and what I find interesting about why me moments is this. Uh, we always use them when something bad has happened. Like, oh, yeah, why me, God, flat tire? Why me? Oh, bad doctor, why me? We very rarely, if ever, use them when something really good happens. Hey, you got a raise at work. Oh, why me? I'm just a horrible employee. I don't know why. Right? We don't use it that way. Because we have this kind of mindset that, like, we're exempt from some way. Let me make it very clear for you, Christian. Just because you are a follower of Jesus does not exempt you from the pain and suffering of this world. As a matter of fact, Jesus is very clear. There will be pain. There will be trials. There will be persecution. All of these things will happen. And let me tell you this. It's going to get worse. Everybody, man, it's so bad right now. Y'all, this is the good time. Have y'all read Revelation? Come on, we got to change our thinking. Why me? Like, it doesn't, it doesn't, man, Jesus even prays like that they would go through it, not just escape from. See, being a Christian doesn't give you this great escape plan, but what it does give you is it gives you hope through. Through everything that's going on in your life, in the midst of the confusion, it gives us a rest for our soul. Like Zechariah, we can go and we could serve in the temple and come home to an empty house and it is still well with our soul. God, however you want to do it. I'm going to praise you even if this cradle remains empty all of the days of my life. I'll be a faithful servant. Hope and the knowledge that knowing that our bearingness is not our disgrace. The pit that was meant to harm you, God is going to use it for good. Some things you don't, you don't see how he's going to, but I guarantee you he will. Because that's the God that we serve. Hope. Steadfastness. Don't take away from this word. Don't add to it. At some point, we've got to make a line in the sand and say, listen, his word's final. I don't care what culture's doing. I don't care what's popular. I don't care what's hot. I'm going to hold fast to this. Even, even if it seems like everything else is falling apart. I don't want to. You know, the word says his word will not return void. Every bit of it. But it's his word that won't return void. Not mine. My return void all the time. I say all kinds of crazy mess. God's like, return to sender. <laughs> yeah, 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 you're right, God. Your word, what you say, what you want, your plan, your purpose, not mine. Your will be done. Your will be done. Stand with me to your feet, please. Worship team.
You can let your circumstances dictate the vision that God has given you. You can let your age dictate the vision. You can let your finance dictate the vision. You can let the words of your community dictate the vision. You can sit back and cry about why me as much as you want. But I just say, why not you? Why not God use you? Why not God use you, Nate, to change the world? Why not you, Bridget? Did you see the people he picked? Why not me? Why not you, Jason? Why not you, Bria? Why not you, Ray? Why not? Well, I've been barren for all these years. I'm very old. I've been praying the same prayer and it hasn't happened yet. 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 And you've got to come to terms with the fact that even if you don't see it in this life, he is working all things. And there will come a day, it might be generations from now. It might be an eternity when God finally pulls back the blinders and said, that's why. That's why it seems like I didn't answer your prayer. And we all go, You're good. You're good. You're good, God. You're good in the midst of my sickness. You're good in the midst of my pain. You're good in the midst of my barrenness. You're good in the midst of my pit. You're good in the midst of my prison. You're good. And the invitation that he closes these holy scriptures with remains today. Come, come and drink freely. Come without money, without any of these things. Come and look and see that he's good. Come and get some milk that you didn't buy. Come and realize and walk into a life that you didn't even earn. Come experience some favor that you don't deserve. Come and find some joy in the midst of your disappointment. Come and find a soul that can be at rest in him. Close your eyes with me for a moment. Lord, we know that you're working even when it doesn't feel like you're working. Even when it's been decades, you're working. And God, we surrender to you once again. Church, I'm telling you, that shame was never yours to carry. Holy Spirit, just wash over your people right now. Wash over them and remove the stains of disappointment, the stains of unrealized dreams, the stains of hope lost a long time ago the stains of comparing ourselves to one another, the stains of feeling like, God, you just don't work. Wash over us. 
breathe life. Come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. Just take a minute, church, and just, just breathe in his goodness. Receive his love. morning you don't know him. May today be the day of your salvation. May today be the day that you lay it down at the feet of Jesus and you cease the struggle and you surrender to your maker. Your entire life revolves around him whether you realize it or not. Why not just surrender to the one who loves you, who died for you, who's by his stripes you are healed. If that's you and you're in the room, every head bowed, every eye closed, put your hand real high in the air and leave it there for a moment so I could see it. I don't want to miss anybody. Is there anybody in the room? Okay. Lord, for the rest of us, for maybe some of us that have just kind of put you in a box and limited you by our circumstances. Refresh us, Lord. Blow off the dust. (laughs) Refresh the dreams. Here we are, your children, standing in your presence, yours. Church, let's take a few minutes. Let's just worship together. Well, we hope this podcast has blessed you. In case you didn't know, we are in the middle of renovating a brand new facility right here in Brunswick County, North Carolina. So listen, two things. Please take a moment and pray for us. Also, if you'd like to give to the ministry, sign on to the website at mycoastalchurch.com slash giving. Hey, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Grace and peace.